Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are lower. We have got 13 minutes to go ahead of the close on this Back to Work Monday. And this update brought to you by SS&C Globop, the world's top provider of hedge fund and private equity fund administration. SS&C Globop, smart people, superb technologies. Tech shares suffering deep losses for a second day. We've got the S&P now down by five, down two-tenths of one percent. NASDAQ down 46, a drop of eight-tenths of one percent to 61.61. Dow Industrials down 60, a drop there of three-tenths of one percent. The 10-year down 230 seconds, the yield 2.21 percent. Gold down 360, the ounce to 12.67, a drop there of three-tenths of one percent. West Texas Intermediate Crude higher by 21 cents a barrel to 46.04. That is a gain of five-tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, Charlie, thank you so much for that update. You are listening to Bloomberg Markets. It is time for the Bloomberg ETF report brought to you by BlackRock. Worried about market volatility? Minimum volatility strategies may be able to help. To learn more, please visit blackrock.com slash factors prepared by BlackRock Investments, LLC. Here at the Bloomberg ETF report, Bloomberg's Catherine Cattery. Institutional investors are using smart beta ETFs in a variety of ways. FTSE Russell's annual survey showed the top reason was for risk reduction, followed by return enhancement. CLS Investments partners with thousands of institutions, advisors, and plan sponsors to offer portfolio management solutions. Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Officer at CLS, on how they're utilizing ETFs. We are using smart beta ETFs really as a core portion of our portfolio. Kind of a way to look at it is instead of using actively managed mutual funds, we are using smart beta ETFs. Vanneman says CLS has invested in smart beta ETFs for several years. But probably in the last two years, they've become a prominent part of our portfolios, uh, capturing up to, it depends on the portfolio, it depends on the strategy, but at least half of our positions would qualify as smart beta ETFs. Vanneman says CLS looks at smart beta ETFs as long-term holdings, although he adds they can be good trading vehicles as well. That's your Bloomberg ETF report. I'm Catherine Cowdery. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets with Carol Messer and Corey Johnson on Bloomberg Radio. University of Rochester, the endowment has uh, roughly $1.9 billion in assets under management, down 3.1% in the past year, but posting a 6.3% average annual return over the past three years. Back with us to talk strategy and some thoughts about endowments in what's, I guess, safe to say an interesting market environment. Uh, we've got Douglas Phillips. He's chief investment officer at the University of Rochester on the phone in Rochester, New York, along with Janet Lauren, higher education reporter uh, here at Bloomberg News in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Doug, how would you <laughs> kind of describe this market environment? Well, first, let me correct the numbers. I, uh, we're about $2.3 billion, and I think ah. we're about 12% for the fiscal year. So uh, anyway, uh, we're, we're doing fine. And uh, you had asked me about some ideas of how how I've seen endowments managed over the past 35 years, and I think you have a document from me. Uh, I hope you do. Yeah. It's got some, some ideas on it. Uh, but the, the one thing I, I would say about endowments is the alignment of investment programs with the university's mission and goals is absolutely the most important part of our, our job here. And uh, that doesn't mean that we're going to push the risk profile 
to the point where we are doing things that we shouldn't be doing uh, that could could really hurt the endowment, so, such as concentration or uh, you know these these large uh, uh, quick decisions that sometimes whipsaw investors and uh, engaging the whole community here in communicating about the endowment and the importance to the future of the school. That's that's a big part of. Uh, Running an investment program. So what you're saying, much more important in terms of the mission overall of a university than what's going on generally in the market environment. Yeah, we're, we're very long-term investors. In fact, our measurement period is generally 10 years or longer because many of the partnerships in which we invest have 10-year uh, investment periods, and we think that that's, that's an appropriate way to, to measure. So uh, continuity in that sense of looking at <clears throat> things not just year-to-year or even three years, but uh, 10 years. Uh, on the very interesting document you sent to us, uh, one of the points you made about working uh, with the investment team is to spend time traveling on the road, meeting investment firms and other endowments. What are some of the questions that you ask of investment firms when you're considering um, doing business with them? Yeah, well, we we always like to see investment firms that have an uh, alignment with their investors so that typically the People that uh, run these firms are the owners of the firms. It's not always the case. Uh, they will have almost all of their own liquid net worth in the funds or the programs that they're managing, and they don't typically look like asset gatherers where they're just growing the assets to collect uh, collect fees. They're very focused on performance, and in that sense, we don't mind paying uh, performance fees for uh, for, for good results. Well, you had another interesting point. Most investment firms are not worth the fees they charge or the best firms charge high fees. Know the difference between the two and hire the best. Um, how do you, how do you make that judgment? It goes to what I, what I really just said is that people that, uh, have the best track record are, are not looking for additional money. Uh, they charge higher fees because they attract the best talent <clears throat> to work with them and it, it costs a lot to, to uh, pay these uh, traders and analysts, and it costs a lot to keep them too. Uh, uh, so, uh, the two percent fee, uh, many investors are afraid to pay that much, but for the very best firms, uh, that's a that's a fee that uh, doesn't doesn't bother us. The uh, alpha, you know, the performance above a benchmark, uh, net of fees is what what we're always after. And that's just across all, all asset categories. Doug, you mentioned time on the road. Um, tell me about, you know, because you also talk about meeting with other endowments and investment firms. When you're meeting with other endowments, what is it that you kind of want to share with them, get from them? So, uh, ideas. Uh, what are they looking mm-hmm. at? Where are they, where are they moving? Uh, every endowment is unique because the risks of the, the risk tolerances of the uh, universities or colleges or foundations are all, all different. Uh, so we like to, to hear how they see their role in the organization and how they think about risk. So how much downside are they willing to accept? Um, how do they conduct themselves when they're looking at managers and how they, op- how they operate with a committee? Um, are, pe- are, people, are people willing to, other endowments, willing to kind of share when they've got a really good idea or a really good manager? Are people quick to share it or do they kind of want to own it uh, for their own? Well, realizing that good firms want to have endowments as investors because we're very patient, as I talked about, for the 10-year uh, performance measurement period. Uh, generally, when we find firms like that, we do share. So there are firms that have limited capacity, and in our case, we do husband those a little bit. Uh, and I think uh, our peers do the same thing. Uh, but as firms uh, do open up for additional capital, we, we certainly share names. We, we get together. Uh, the larger endowments get together regularly to, to share ideas in different different venues. 
You talked about read investment uh, annual investment reports from peers. Any recommendations of, of peers? Almost all of them put their reports on the websites, and you can find them. It's public, and uh, it gives you a good overview. But listening to the stories behind those reports, I think, is really the uh, the, the value added for us. Doug, just got about 50 seconds left here. I'm just thinking of our audience who's listening to you and kind of the approach that you guys do in terms of managing your endowment. What what one piece of advice would you give to investors when looking for opportunity? So if you have uh, endowment investors, I would say just uh, listen to what I, what I just said about aligning yourself with the university. Uh, if you're individual investors, I, I think you really should have a program and stick with it. Uh, most investors, individual investors, destroy value by moving in, in opportune times. That's been proven over and over. So yeah. set your course and stay with it. Yeah, keep the emotions in check, uh, if you will. Uh, Doug Phillips, nice to have you back with us, Chief Investment Officer at the University of Rochester, joining us on the phone from Rochester, New York. Janet Lauren, our higher education reporter here at Bloomberg News, joining us in our Bloomberg 1130 studio. Just got a couple minutes left in today's session. We're going to get a check uh, on the markets for you. We've got uh, stocks right now off their lows of the session, but we'll get those closing numbers and some of the stocks moving in today's session right here on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Master. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.